welcome everybody to uh, Pathway Home. You can follow us uh, on YouTube, PWH, uh, Pathway Home, or pathwayhome.tv, pwh.tv. This is more than just a podcast. We want to be your church. This is our online church. We're doing church differently. It's not just doing uh, on, uh, just showing online what we do on ground, but this is a forum that is specifically tailored to online, to an Instagram, TikTok, YouTube uh, world and generations. And so um, welcome. This is not preaching. This is talking because following Jesus and learning about Jesus and applying the uh, uh, biblical principles to our lives happens best in conversation. You can learn a lot from preaching. Yeah. And and you should learn a lot from preaching and teaching. Uh, but when you just talk about it and just we we actually really don't have much of an agenda. No. Uh, when we do these podcasts, we just start talking and see where it goes. And we ended up ju- we end up just talking about stuff of life yeah. and we apply life to scripture and scripture to life. So, so there we go. So today we kind of wanted to talk on who Pastor Kyle is, because um, I've known you about a year and a half now, and I don't think I don't think I know you at all yet. <laughs> There's a lot about you that I, I still, you know, have a lot of questions about. Um, but why don't you start off by telling us, well, kind of like who you are and about your family now, and then I want to hit about, you know, your past. Well, I uh, I can tell you one thing you don't know about me is I can blow bubbles off of my tongue. So <laughs> there you go. There you go. Like you just one. learned something new about it. Do you want to show <laughs> them? <laughs> uh, no, the saliva has to have the right okay. consistency. <laughs> <laughs> next time next podcast next time next time um what was your question <laughs> about i mean who you are now about your family and stuff like that okay well i am uh i am happily amazingly married for uh 18 years actually uh the date of of recording this was is january was the 12th today yes 2021 so in about two weeks, I will have been married for 18 years wow. to Teresa Berenice <laughs> Martinez Corona de Bauer. Wow. That's my <laughs> wife. She is from Guadalajara, Mexico, and uh, she's an amazing human being. Actually, you know what? She didn't want to come because I asked her, I said, oh, come into the podcast. And she goes, no, I'm too greñuda, <laughs> which means she just has been working all day and didn't get all gussied up. I'm going to call her real quick because I want you guys to hear her. We'll see. Hello. <laughs> Hi, honey. You're Hi. on, you're on, you're on the, the, the PWH podcast right now. <laughs> well, uh, Amy was just asking me about my life and my family, and I was talking mm. to him about my favorite person in the world, which is you. Mm. <laughs> so just say You're hi. You're my favorite person, too. Oh, thank you, baby. Well, anyways, I just wanted him to hear your voice because you're so awesome. Aw, thank you. Hi, everyone. <laughs> hi, Teresa. Hi, Amy. I said hi to Michelle already. So, all right. Well, okay. Anytime you want to drop in, you're you're welcome. Mm, okay. <laughs> right. Thank you. All I right. haven't. I need to go do my makeup and my hair, so that's why I haven't picked in. Yeah, I understand that. I told him you said <laughs> that you were too good and you the. 
Greñuda, sí. <laughs> All right. We'll see you later. Okay, honey. Bye-bye. Well, we have uh, four kids together. Um, uh, our oldest is 16. Our second is 14. Our third, our only daughter, is uh, 12. And our youngest son is 10. And you are? Oh. I am 39. Wow. I will be 40 in just a few months from so now. So you got married at what age? 22? I was 21. 21. 21 years old. Wow. I look at I look at 21-year-olds now, and I think... Oh my gosh, I don't think I'd let that guy get married. And I, it's a wonder my parents let me get married. <laughs> so what was that like with your parents? I know you come from a ministry family. What was that what was that like growing up? Uh it was good. You know, my parents I I I have great parents. My 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 father went to home to be with the Lord about 17 years ago. Uh so it's just it's just my mom now, but growing up in a minister's household Uh, you get horror stories of pastor's kids mm -hmm. that they are the worst. They're the craziest. They're the, uh, it, it wasn't like that in my house. Um, my brother and his wife pastor a church in San Diego. Uh, my wife and myself pastor a church here in Northridge. My sister and her husband pastor a church up in the Sacramento area of California. Wow. None of us ever walked away from the Lord. Uh, all of us are serving the Lord. We're all pastoring churches right now. And, and it's like, Well, what's the difference? Why why are some pastor's kids get all crazy? Well, it's because my parents, and this is what I found over the years, that my parents, they live what they preach. I think a lot of pastor's kids, and I'm not pointing the finger at any person in, in particular, I'm just saying in general, uh, kids see, kids can tell if you live what you preach, or if they see you one way at church and a different way at home, and And you, you have to ask yourself the question, if the pastor's kids are wild, what's going on at home that doesn't go on at church? And maybe the kids see a, a, a difference and they say, you know, if this is it, then I don't really want this. Yeah. What would you say for you growing up like that? I mean, all your siblings also do ministry. What was the point for you where you're like, Jesus is it for me? I know for me, I mean, I grew up Christian as well, so I, it, it, you know, I've always realized that when I, when I was 19, he became it for me. When was that moment where it's like, this is what I want, he is what I want? You know, I don't know that I can point to any specific moment. I've wanted Jesus my whole life. I remember when I came to know Jesus, I was four years old, and you say, oh my gosh, you know, somebody brainwashed you as a four-year-old, and you just, you did what you were told, and you repeated it. No, 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 no. I remember the day I remember looking at my mom I can take you to the chair I was sitting in I, I remember it all and and it's I, my my grandfather was preaching that day and when it came time to the altar call I, I listened I remember I looked at my mom and I said I want to receive Jesus mm. and I, I it's such a clear memory to me I've never stopped following Jesus Um, I remember when I was, when I was about nine years old, I, my mom was <laughs> sitting in her home office and, and I don't know what I had heard or what I had seen, but I ran into her office and said, mom, do you know that there are people in this world who don't know Jesus? Mm -hmm. She goes, yes, I do. She goes, and I, and, and I said, 
we got to do something about this. <laughs> you know, you say that as an, as a nine year old kid. And I remember my mom telling, reminding me of that story, uh, some time ago. And, and when I said that to her as a nine year old, she said to herself, God's got him. Wow. God's got him. You know, he's got a call on his life, yeah. but I can, I, I can tell you the, the first real moment of, um, impact and life transformation uh, that really propelled my life forward in Jesus. I was 10 years old and it was the very first time I heard the voice of God. I remember exactly where I was and exactly what I was doing. I was in my room on a Saturday morning and I was, I was uh, vacuuming the carpet in my room as part of my Saturday morning chores. Mm -hmm. And so I was, I was on my bed, on my knees, on my bed, trying to get, you know, a place so you didn't, so you can vacuum where your feet were, right? And I was doing that. And all of a sudden, I heard these words, not audibly. I heard them within my, within my spirit. And it was these two words, get baptized. That was it. And I had never heard God's voice before. Um, but I knew it was him. God speaks and God knows how to talk to people. I mean, for goodness sakes, he made you. <laughs> and so since he made you, he knows how to communicate with you. And so I was a 10 year old kid and he said, get baptized. And so I, uh, so I, I ran and I told my mom and my dad, I said, God told me to get baptized. So we set a date and I remember I was in fifth grade and I remember being in my, my class in fifth grade. And our teacher was teaching. And I remember exactly where I was in my desk. And I remember I was praying during class. And I said, God, when I get baptized in water, I also want to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. I want, to, I, want, I want the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I want to speak in tongues. I want to experience you. I want to be baptized in water and baptized in fire at the same time. And, and I remember sitting there in class. I remember not paying attention, not doing my work. And sitting there praying, saying, God, baptize me in the Holy Spirit when I go under that water too. Oh, man. And so, and my, my brother, who's a year and a half older than me, uh, also had felt the Lord tell him to get baptized at the same time. So, so my brother and I got baptized on the same night by my dad. Wow. And the, the heater, it was, it was a, a March, so it was cold outside. And the heater had broken in the uh, baptistry. And it was cold. <laughs> it was cold. Now, as a 10-year-old kid, <laughs> I, I remember thinking, I wonder what will happen if I open my eyes under the water when I get baptized. <laughs> I wonder if it's holy water and the heavens will open up. Well, I can tell you, you see nothing but just water, okay? So I did open my eyes when I got <laughs> baptized. I didn't see any angels. Heaven didn't open up. It was just the water. And But I had watched my brother. He got baptized right before me. He got up out of the water, lifted his hands, immediately began speaking in tongues. It was wow. amazing. And I remember watching this thing. And I'd been praying this for weeks. Lord, baptize me in water and the Holy Spirit. And so it was my turn. Go down, open my eyes. <laughs> I get up and I remember exactly what I did. I got out of the water. I lifted my hands and I said, praise you, Lord. And I started speaking in tongues I, it it hit me like a ton of bricks. And I just, it was like a motor, like a, my tongue was attached to a motor. I just started speaking in tongues. And 
I remember the, the electricity of the Holy Spirit going through me, and it marked my life forever. You know, now that you're talking about the Holy Spirit, I think a lot of our conversations have had to do with the Holy Spirit. And, you know, Francis Chan has regarded the Holy Spirit as sometimes the forgotten God that we kind of leave him aside. Mm. Can you take me through how necessary the Holy Spirit is in our lives? Oh, my gosh. I know that's a big question. Thanks for giving me a small, easy question. (laughs) But there's so much that you have said to me about, you know, just the role of how he works in our lives. Because when we leave him out of it, we don't realize that he is like our helper. Like, what does that actually mean that he is our helper? Well, he helps you in everything. Oh my gosh. Uh, this subject, we could go on for many, many, many hours on this. And so we're going to try and simplify it here. Yeah. Bible says that uh, he is the counselor. He is the comforter. He is the helper. Uh, he is the, uh, the supernatural of God. It is, uh, he is the fruit of God, the character of God. He is, uh, he, uh, he is the, uh, he's the grace of God. That word grace in the Bible actually means um, uh, for the gifts of the Spirit. Both the, the fruit of the Spirit is a grace of God, and also the supernatural working of God is the grace of God. And so it's both the character of God being developed in you and the supernatural outworking of the power of God mm. is the Holy Spirit. He is our comforter and our counselor. Man, I uh, let's put it in, in more modern terms. Our counselor, he is our great psychiatrist. I cannot tell you how much of a mess I would be if I didn't know the Holy Spirit as my, uh, as my great psychiatrist or my counselor. Uh, I go to him all the time and I say, God, I'm, I'm struggling with this. And he will talk to me and he will walk me through. He's saying, Pastor Kyle, you tell me God has a conversation with you and he walks you through your feelings and tells you things that you didn't even know about yourself. That's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. You learn to hear his voice. You learn to cultivate a friendship with the Holy Spirit and he will talk to you. He will tell you things that you had never considered before. He will tell you why did it's things as simple as why did you just think that thought right now? You think, hmm, why did I think that thought right now? And you begin to uncover things like, like a psychologist or psychiatrist would do. So yeah. tell me about this. Tell me about that. And I find he has unraveled so many messes in my own heart and in my own mind by just knowing him. Yeah. What would you say? Because this is a, a kind of a touchy subject in the sense of, all right, Pastor Scott, I want the Holy Spirit. New believer or old believer, whatever it is. How do I get the Holy Spirit? Oh my how do goodness. I gain the Holy Spirit? It's so easy. It is so. How did you get Jesus? You answer me. How did you get Jesus? I accepted him to my life. That's right. You asked. Yeah. You prayed. You repented. You get the Holy Spirit the same way. Bible says, Jesus said in the book of Luke, he said, if you who are wicked people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will, you, will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Hmm. So how do you get the Holy Spirit? You ask. 
That is it. And Jesus, in that same passage, said, if you ask for bread, you're not going to get a rock. If you ask for an egg, you're not going to get a scorpion. If you ask, you will receive. If you seek, you will find. If you knock, the door will be open to you. Then if you who are evil know how to give good things, how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So you ask, and the moment you ask, you receive. So how do I receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Because that's different than the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. You can, By the way, you can go to pwh.tv, and we have some Next Steps videos where I talk about the different baptisms, the baptism of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And those are three different baptisms. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit is when he makes us part of God's family. But baptism into the Holy Spirit is where we receive supernatural grace to do uh, the same works Jesus did. As a matter of fact, Jesus did all of his preaching, all of his ministering, and all of his supernatural ministry because of the baptism of the Holy Spirit or in the Holy Spirit. Um, Jesus did not do miracles because he was God. That's cheating. He came to live as a human being uh, in, the, in the, the, the weakness of human flesh, just like me and you, to completely identify life with humanity. And if he was to do miracles out of his divinity and then turns around to his disciples in the book of John and says, greater works will, uh, will you do than these? Mm-hmm. Well, that's totally unfair to say. Disciples, well, I'm not, I'm not God. But Jesus didn't do miracles because he was God. He did it as a man filled with the Holy Spirit. He didn't do one miracle and didn't preach one sermon until he was baptized in water. And when he came out of the water, the Holy Spirit descended upon him. And then he began to preach and he began to minister. He began to do supernatural things. He did it because he was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit as a human being. And so later on in the book of Acts, when Jesus is getting ready to ascend back to heaven, this is after the resurrection, he says to his, to his disciples, don't go anywhere. Don't leave Jerusalem until you have received the promise of the Father, which is the baptism uh, in the Holy Spirit. And he knew, he, he told them that because he knew that they couldn't do anything until they had received the same power that Jesus himself had received. So they were in Jerusalem uh, doing nothing except meeting and praying. And that was it until Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit fills them. And all of a sudden they have great boldness and they start ministering. They start preaching in power and they start doing the same works of Jesus of healing, casting out demons, raising the dead, all kinds of miracles, the same things that are available to us today because of the power of the Holy Spirit. I think that's really the cure right that they were saying that that same spirit, that same power is available to us today. And we're able to walk out in this. And, you know, one time I was really struck by this preaching that said, you know, people talk about the, you know, the greatness of, you know, Elijah's and Moses and this and that, not realizing that now New Testament now we ourselves have the Holy Spirit within us. That's right. And the same, you know, spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, from the death is now alive and active 
within us. Yeah. So what would you say now? Okay, Holy Spirit, what would you say? What was the moment that you knew I'm called by God? And, you know, I don't know if that was in pastoring or what exactly he led you to. What was that for you where you knew? It was probably in my early teenage years. Uh, it's, I, I, I wouldn't be being honest if I just said, oh, God, just open up the heavens. And it's like, oh, he just hit me and said, thou shalt be a pastor or something <laughs> like that. I, I never had that kind of theophany kind of moment. But I did have a strong sense of direction that I knew this was what my life was to be about. I never thought even for one second about, oh, what am I going to be when I grow up? What do I want to do with my life? What college am I going to go to? Never, never once thought of that. I didn't think of, oh, am I going to go to you know the local, um, the local community college, then transfer to university? No, I said I'm going to Bible college. That's it. Hmm. That's it. There is nothing else for You're me. You're sure? Oh yeah. Ever since I I was I don't know maybe probably fifth sixth grade. That was I, I my life was set. I knew the direction. This is where I'm going. I'm called to ministry, and that's what I'm going to do. Did you would you think that it was because of what you were around? Or really because of what God led you in, or both? What would you say? Um, I would say, uh, I would say both, not because my grandparents or my parents ever pressured me into it. They never did. My dad always told me, he said, all I want for you is to do what God has told you to do with his life. I remember he turned to my brother one day and he goes, if God's calling you to be a rock star, then you go be a rock star and I'll do, and I'll, I'll support you 100%. I'll get behind that. Wow. But if God's not calling you to be a rock star, then don't you dare be a rock star. How would you and, say like living out your calling? Okay, that's, that's a big topic that I kind of want to talk on. How do you live it? I know one is obedience. It requires obedience. Wait, before you get to that question, Go. let me finish the other one you said okay. about is it because of the things you're around or because of calling? Okay. I come from, I come from generations of ministers. Yeah. I do believe that God has callings on families. I do believe there is an anointing that is called over families. Have you ever noticed that there are certain families that have a great musical or singing gift and it seems to pass from generation to generation? Yeah. Either it's genetic or it's God's anointing and God's calling on a certain family to do certain things. I come from a family of pastors and ministers. And I think there is an anointing and a calling on the family God placed me in. But again, it was never because I was pressured into it. It was because... I know the voice of God. Did you feel free to kind of pursue whatever you want? Yeah. And, and, but even as a teenager and a young, as a young adult, I remember thinking, and I still think this to this day, you know, having been a pastor now for 17 years, I still think I cannot think of anything else in the world that would satisfy me. Mm -hmm. A doctor or a lawyer or a pilot or uh, a military career or whatever things that may be exciting, a business owner and make lots of money. And it's like, yeah, I could do those things, but I cannot see myself having any satisfaction in it because that's not what God made me to do. I love how you said that. There's a lot of things I can do, but is it what I'm purpose to do? Probably not. I just got, believe it or not, five, two, my dream was to be in the WNBA. <laughs> 
that was my you ain't dream. tall enough no and then when i said when i thought all right i'm not tall enough i'll be a sports reporter when that didn't happen i just naturally fell into i'll just do business and you know none of those things worked out like i'm now you know doing what god called me to do but there's so much to say about walking in your calling and i feel like there's a lot of people that are walking around unfulfilled because we're not that we're outside of god's will but we are outside of God's will. It's kind of this strain between what I want and what God has intended for my life. So uh, what would you say, like coming from you that, you know, you you feel you're, or not feel, but you are in God's will to that person that feels strained between the two. And, you know, there's a big thing about relinquishing your dreams. Like can God, what God has for me, can that really fulfill the dreams that I have? Or am I letting go of my dreams to follow God? Yeah. If you lose, if you uh, strive to, to keep your life, you will lose it. But if you lose yourself or you lose your life for my sake, you will find it. That's not just talking. That's not talking only about, you know, martyrdom. Mm -hmm. (laughs) If you, if you allow yourself to be, you know, killed by some aboriginal tribe out in the jungles of somewhere around the world, then, you know, you found true life. No, it's talking about your, your, if you strive to keep the carnality of this world, and and carnality sounds sounds almost like a religious world, but let me just define it real quick. Carnality, it, you know, it, it's you, you can hear the the Latin root to it, carne, mm-hmm. right? Something flesh, something of, of of this physical world. That's carnality. When you hold on to anything of this world as if this world was your destiny and your home, it's carnality, because you are. You're reaching and striving for something that that has only temporal, physical value. That's what Jesus says. I want you to lose your life for my sake. I want you to lose the the temporanity of this world, the 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 temporal, fleeting passingness of this world, and I want you to find me. And in so doing, you're going to find a life that has uh, eternal substance to it. And so it really is a matter of letting go. Yeah. And, and you say, well, what am I letting go of? And what am I going to? Listen, most of you listening right now, you already know. You already know if you're running from something. Yeah. You already know what God's placed in your heart. And some people, some people may be struggling saying, well, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm not sure. Then you learn to get alone with God. You learn to wait on him and you ask him, God, would you please make this clear? I'll tell you a little story from my life. Right when I was about ready to propose to my wife, uh, we were still boyfriend, girlfriend at the time. And, and I was at the, the watershed moment that either we get married or we cut this relationship off, but we can't just go on like this forever. Mm -hmm. There needs to be a decision made. Is this where we're going or is it not? And I remember, and, and I was pretty settled in my heart that this is the person I was going to marry, but knowing that this is the greatest decision of my life uh, besides following Jesus, this is the second greatest decision of my life. I wanted to make sure that I did not make the wrong decision 
And I was, God, would you talk to me? God, would you show me? God, would you help me? Would you just part the clouds and rays of light come down and boom, I know what to do. And I got nothing, absolutely nothing. I went, in, I went into where my mom was and I, and I shared her this very same thing. And she said something to me that I will never forget my whole life. And it applies to everybody looking for God's will. She said, God wants his will for your life even more than you want it. Mm. And if you are 100% committed to him, he will make sure you don't miss it. Oh my gosh. That stuck with me. It will stick with me the rest of my life. That if I am willing to follow him 100%, he's going to make sure that I get there. And so to somebody who's struggling to say, I don't know what God wants for my life. You get alone with Jesus. You ask him and you say, God, I'm asking you that you reveal this to me. And he will. I don't know how, because the way God speaks to people is very individualized. Yeah. The way he did it for me may not be the way he does it for you. And that's okay. But he will let you know because he wants you to fulfill your destiny. I, I think that there's so much this, like, in this feeling like if I do this, I won't be happy. But understanding that it's in God's will that will truly be satisfied. Yeah. I mean, satisfied for me, this is the word something that you're eternally happy. You're just satisfied in who he is, satisfied in what he's doing. Chasing happiness to me is something very temporary because yes. it's with season come, season go. With every season, there's something else that we're chasing. But with God, with God as your focus, you're forever satisfied. And when we talk about calling, for me, it's like, I, the same thing. Um, actually, Lindy Connett said this, and when she said this, I never forgot. I said, this is exactly what I feel like. She said, I have been ruined for the ordinary, mm. and I could not be happier. Yeah. And as soon as she said it, I started sobbing. I was like, that makes so much sense. Yeah. I can't do the ordinary. I can't do the just going about life as if nothing happened to me. But because Jesus happened and Jesus showed up in my life, my life has never been the same. Uh, and I want to I want to speak to that with people who are watching and listening right now. Say, well, you know, I'm ruined for the ordinary and I'm I'm destined for high things. Well, I mean, you're Pastor Kyle and you're Amy and, you know, God's got a calling and anointing on your life. And I couldn't possibly do that. Listen, the ordinary is just the mundane things of this life. Mm -hmm. The extraordinary is available for everybody. And you say, well, I don't have the calling to go out and and preach like Billy Graham did or, or pastor a big church or anything like that. Well, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you what's not ordinary. Learning to wait on the Lord, learning to be the friend of the Holy Spirit, learning to hear Jesus' voice, watching him activate both your spiritual ears and your spiritual eyes and living out what's written in the Bible you will find that even if you do an ordinary mundane job and for all intents and purposes, it looks like you have an ordinary mundane existence. When you learn to live in the spirit, you learn to live at a spiritual dimension, you will find that God has made your life anything but ordinary and mundane. It's when he comes and interrupts all that. You know, when you said that a person came to my mind, I was shopping one day. And this lady was ringing me up 
And, okay, when you're walking with Christ, Christ comes out in some conversation in some shape or form. When, sometimes I try to avoid it. <laughs> it just, right. But it just came up, and she tells me, she goes, you, you preach? I go, yeah. She goes, I was one of the first women in the area. She grew up in, in San Fernando Valley to become an ordained pastor. Hmm. This older woman. She's around, and she was like in her 60s. And she looked at me. She started telling me all the missionary work that she's doing. But I just saw her as a person that was ringing me up. Yeah. So we're there, and there's people behind us, and I'm crying at this point. Like this woman telling me about all that she's done and all that she's seen and how God's worked in her life. And I'm there in awe. And she told me, I'm so happy that I did this for the next generation. Hmm. And then she handed me my bag and I went on with my day. And I remember getting to my car, calling my mom and being my life. I just (laughs) couldn't believe it because it's through these interactions and through these encounters. Like what you said earlier that these conversations you know, what, what's the line that you say? The conversations are, I have truth or what, what did you say at the start of the podcast? The, oh, oh, that, <laughs> that the, uh, the things of life and, and spirituality come out in just conversation, ordinary yeah. conversation. And for me, that was one of those moments where it just came out in the, in the ordinary. Sometimes we can link extraordinary to famous influence, right. pulpit position. Yeah. And it's so much more than that. It's, it's not even about position, pulpit influence or anything. It's about a person that makes themselves available to God for God to show you who he is. You know, at the start of quarantine, what God really, you know, what he asked me was, are you in love with me? Or are you in love with your call? And that question had me in my room for a few days. Right. Who are you in love with? Are you chasing the position? Right. Or are you chasing me? I remember one day that I, I, I spoke this and I, I was during up a room and I said, if God told me he was not here anymore, I'm out. I don't care how many people are gathered here. That's right. I don't care how much influence this has. If God's not in it, I don't want it. And I think that that's an attitude towards life that makes you like what you say. Extraordinary. Living life the way that God intended us to live it. Yeah. God <clears throat> God is amazing in the ordinary. He really is. He makes the ordinary extraordinary if you will let him, if you'll listen to him and you'll follow him. See, it's never about position. Like you said, it's never about uh, leadership. It's never about privilege or anything like that. Privilege is being a child of God. That's the privilege right there. But when you learn to live in the spirit and you learn to be a friend of God, that opens the door to revelation. The Bible says in, in uh, Ephesians chapter 2 that we are seated with Jesus in heavenly places. So when you pray, when you seek the Lord, when you listen for his voice, when he shows you things, when you read the scripture, you say, oh my goodness, I'm, I may not have much physical prowess or position, but when I get into the spirit, I'm sitting next to Jesus yeah. and I'm ruling over things. Psalm 25, 14, one of my absolute all-time favorite verses says this, the friendship of the Lord is reserved for those who fear him and to them he will reveal his covenant. 
The fear of the Lord leads to friendship of the Lord and friendship of the Lord leads to revelation of the Lord. Mm. And when you have fear, friendship, and revelation of God, you realize that this time on this physical earth is very limited. It's short and that we are living for eternity and that we can touch eternity right now as we walk in the spirit. The Bible talks about that in the New Testament all over the place. If you walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. In other words, if you learn who God is by the spirit, and if you learn that prayer is more than just asking for things, it's communing with God, it's hearing from him, it's ruling and reigning over things, it's intercession, and it's moving things on earth from a spiritual dynamic and you learn to speak with the Lord and he speaks to you, it, you, you find that, that you are living eternal purposes while you live in a temporary physical life. And that is extraordinary. I think that sometimes you don't realize how big of a gift prayer is. Even as you talk about the ordinary, what popped into my mind was the verse that said, Elijah was a man with a nature just like yeah. ours. And then it says, but he prayed. And whenever I read that verse, I go, well, that's how I know that I'm not Elijah. (laughs) Because that but he prayed is what's standing in the way of so many of us seeing, one, the hand of God, the will of God, and the might of God over our lives and Mm -hmm. in everything around us. Prayer really is that what which opens the gates to see beyond what we see. I know that you talk a lot about prayer and even how you talked about the church of, you know, being a lightning rod. Can you just walk me through what prayer is for you and what it unlocks? I know that's a big topic as well. I've got a good answer for it right here and and it won't take very long. Bible says in the book of Revelation that we are kings and priests unto our God. What does a king do? A king rules and reigns, administers justice. A king sits on a throne. Actually, in Revelation 3.21, Jesus himself says to his church, he says, those who overcome, I will grant them to sit on my throne with me, just as I overcame and sat on my father's throne. How amazing is that? We are kings and priests unto our God. We are destined for the throne. We are destined for eternal rulership and reigning, but not just in heaven someday, but in the right here and the right now. Mm. And what does a priest do? A priest is an intermediary. He's a, an intercessor. Uh, he, he is a, stand, a go-between between God and man. That's what a priest is. And so if we are kings and priests, prayer is the place where those things are both lived out. Mm. Prayer is intercession, where we pray for people. We pray for things. We pray for circumstances. We pray for nations. And we stand between heaven and earth as a priest unto our God, praying and interceding for things. But also we are kings unto our God. We are told in the book of Hebrews to approach the throne of grace with confidence, making supplications to the Lord. But we're we're not approaching uh, a a chair. We're not approaching a, uh, a, a place. We're approaching very specifically the throne where the king sits Mm. and we have been invited to sit with him on that throne. Even Ephesians two, as I said earlier, we are seated with Jesus in heavenly places. And so when we pray, it's not just saying, dear God, bless my day. 
dear God, help so-and-so. No, we are coming to the throne as those who are invited onto the throne saying, God, would you move in that situation? Would you completely transform that life and transform everything going on? Kings and priests become kings and priests in prayer. And knowing that we have the authority to say that. There's mm-hmm. one day where you told me when we were I was talking, you were talking to me about prayer and healing. How you said you don't ask, you command. Because we're kings. And and just that realization, I was like, oh, that changes everything. And when I think that when we bring light to prayer in that way, that is life changing and life shaping. Yeah. And God will really, really transform your life if you're willing to. Lock yourself in a room in a secret place and pray. There's one thing that, um, you know, I've, I've, I've grown up saying, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but so many times we ask for prayer thinking that the person praying for us are so close to God that they're going to do something for me. Right. And I don't think that we realize the true access that we ourselves have to God in asking and knowing that He hears and He answers. You know, I I don't know if you want to touch anything on that in terms of the access that we have to God. Well, the access is only through Jesus. Yeah. That, you know, Jesus says, I am the door. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. Nobody comes to God the Father except through me. There is no other way. And so we have access by his blood, his blood that was shed on the cross for us. The Bible says that without blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. So his blood being being poured out on the cross was absolutely necessary to secure our salvation. But it's only through that blood that our sins are forgiven. And it's because uh, our sins are forgiven and, and taken from us that we can actually come to the uh, come before the Lord. That's the access we've been given because of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. If it wasn't for that, we would still be in our sin and and no sin can be in God's presence. Yeah. So God in Jesus, what he did was he he found a way to separate the sin from the sinner, punish the sin and save the sinner. Wow. And so it's like it's like um I don't know, it's like a a a a bathrobe. You know, you you're you're one with this robe. And it's on you and it surrounds you and your arms are in this robe. And God says, I must punish sin. I'll get back to your question in a second. All right. <laughs> I must punish sin. But if I punish sin right now and I cast it into the lake of fire, you're going with it because you're wrapped up in it. Mm. So I need to take you out of the sin because the sin still has to have the price paid. It still needs to be punished, but I don't want you to suffer that punishment. So, so if I will allow my son to be wrapped up in your sin, I will punish my son so that you can be free from that sin and have access to my presence. Wow. That's, that's amazing. This is not, this is not a story. This is not just a story. This is a real thing. And God loves you. Whoever's listening and watching right now, God loves you. And you say, well, God, you know, God's, uh, God and, and, and Christians and church, they're just, they're just, uh, uh, you know, they're bigots and they're, they're, 
they're phobic everything. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't have to do with being phobic. Phobic, by the way, is the Greek root for fearful. So, you know, you're phobic of you know, transphobic, homophobic, xenophobic. No, no, no I'm not afraid. <laughs> <laughs> and, and God isn't either. But sin is sin. And sin is what separates from us from God. And sin is by God's definition, not by our definition. See, there's a lot of things in our lives that we prefer and that we think are part of us that we, well, I was born this way. Yeah. This is my truth. (laughs) This is my truth. Listen, truth is God's truth. Truth is not relative. It's not relative to what every person thinks. And so if you try and come before God, because you were asking me about accessing God, if you come to God saying, well, I'm coming to you on the basis of my truth and my preferences, it doesn't work. It will not work. It's not a God to your own liking at the end of the day. No. I think that that's how we've kind of viewed God. Like, I want this part of God, but not this part of God. When God is God. God is God. And, you know, Jesus says, I am the way, I'm the truth, and I am the life. And I've always seen that as, well, then there is no other way, and there is no other truth, and there is no other life. You've always given an example, and I want you to share this one, of how we try to bend the Bible to our liking. Yeah. Can you share that one? Oh, my goodness, yes. That people read their own interpretation into the Bible because the reality is that without Jesus, and this is not pointed at any person or any people group. This is true of every single human being that has ever lived on the planet. We are twisted because of sin. We are not basically good people. You know, uh, we want to, we want to believe the best in humanity. Yeah. Well, when humanity is left up to its own devices, it's never good. Mm. You know, how, (laughs) how many times left up to my own devices have I made a mess of things? Uh, humanity is not basically good. Humanity, the Bible says, is basically evil. Book of Romans says, there is not one who does good, not one who lives righteously. No, not one. For all have sinned and all have fallen short of the glory of God. Yet we come to the Bible and we open it up and we start reading and it starts confronting us and we don't like it. So we reinterpret it and we twist it in order to fit our twisted life. Instead of allowing the Bible to stand as it is written and untwist us so that our life begins to fit what God has written. When I read something in the Bible that, that clashes with maybe an attitude that I have, or it clashes with a sin that I've been involved in, I must approach the Bible believing that I am the one who is wrong, not the Bible. Yeah. And you have so many people say, well, there's so many, you know, false things in the Bible. Oh my goodness. This is wrong. This is wrong. Translations are wrong. We should do, we should do a a whole (laughs) podcast just just on Bible. Yeah. We should do a whole podcast just on that, which we'll do that in the future. But you know, I, I think, all that you're saying is allowing the the truth of God to hit you. And when that truth comes, the response comes. I've always said this, that no response 
is also a response. And what you said earlier is like, we already know what God is calling us to do. Now it's just a time to just say yes yeah. and surrender to him. So I don't know if you want to pray that, Pastor Kyle, to pray a surrendered life, however you feel that right now. Let's do it. Lord, I pray for everybody who is watching, who is listening. Lord God, I pray in the name of Jesus that your Holy Spirit would reach out and lay hold of them in a new way. That, Lord God, some people have have never considered the fact that we can be your friend. But, Lord God, friendship comes from fearing you. Lord, I pray that the fear of God would come upon everybody who's listening right now. Lord, I pray that... Lord, for those who have been hurt, those who are running, those who are unsure, those who are doubtful, Lord, I pray that a new faith would rise up in them right now. Lord, I pray that they were, there would be a new commitment. There would be a new surrender, that as they surrender to you, that Lord Jesus, you, they would find the satisfaction of following you, the joy of their salvation in a way they never thought possible. If you're watching this right now and you have never asked Jesus to come into your heart, if you've never accepted the blood that he poured out on that cross and the new life that's available because of his resurrection, you need to do that right now. And it is so easy. All you need to do is ask. You ask and you need to repent from your sins, not the sins and not continue to hold on to the sins that you uh, that you so desperately love. It's really interesting. In in the uh, the uh, fifth century, uh, the king of the Franks, his name was King Clovis. He uh, converted to Christianity. So this is what fifteen hundred years ago, nearly sixteen hundred years ago, and he converted to Christianity. And he forced all of his people and warriors to follow suit. So it was a it, they they uh, converted out of convenience, right? So all of his warriors got baptized, but his warriors got baptized like this. They they submerged their whole body, but left their their right arm out of the water so that they could continue to kill with a clean conscience. Mm-hmm. I baptized most of my body, <laughs> but not all of it. And this is not a faith of convenience it is not a relationship of convenience it's not it's not a relationship that allows you to be unfaithful and allows you to continue to do the things that hurt god's heart and hurt the relationship it would be the same as me saying to my wife i love you i want to be with you i want to marry you but i also want six other women on the side what do you think my wife's going to say to that amy I'm out. <laughs> Deuces, <laughs> I'm out. You can have those women, but you ain't going to have me. Yeah. And and when we say, well, I I was I was I was born this way and this is the way I uh, I I always have been and I have no choice in the matter and listen, sin twists people. Mm-hmm. And maybe the sin that you struggle with isn't the sin I struggle with. But rest assured I struggle with sin. And whenever I commit sin, in whatever form it takes, I always come before the Lord and I say, Lord, I need your help again. Lord, I confess it to you again. I repent from it again. This is what my flesh wants. This is what Kyle Bauer, the sinful man, wants. 
And I can say all day, well, I was born this way. And obviously that argument is, is um, for, for uh, homosexual people. But you know what? You could say, well, okay, I'm heterosexual. Well, I was born that way. Yeah, so does that give me the right to go out and just cheat on my wife with other women? Well, I was born that way. Uh, negative. Not at all. Whether it's a heterosexual sin or a homosexual sin or in whatever way the sin appears according to the way God defines it, mm-hmm. not the way I define it. God's definition. God's definition of what is right and God's definition of what is wrong. By the way, at pwh.tv, I have a whole Next Steps video on God and morality and why God is the God of morality. And so you go to pwh.tv and you can see that video. But you need to come to Jesus on Jesus' terms, not on your terms. And you need to surrender all. Confess your sin. Repent of your sin. Put, of your, put your faith in Jesus Christ and he will forgive you and you will have unbridled, unlimited access to God. And if that's you, say, Pastor, I want to follow Jesus. I'm going to ask that you pray with me right now. Just repeat after me. Say, Dear Jesus, I confess that I am a sinner and that I have lived my life in a way that has not pleased you. And I put my faith in Jesus who died for my sins and my faith in Jesus who resurrected from the dead so that I could have his life. I receive that life right now. I turn from my sins and I say, God, I want you. And I ask that you fill me with your Holy Spirit. I ask that you write my name in the Lamb's book of life and help me to live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Wow. Well, that was a good that was a good one, guys. I hope that you would join us again. There's so many more topics to that today that I really want to touch on. Well, we were coming. supposed to, you were supposed to interview me today and it kind of took another turn there, and I'm totally good with that. Yeah, Holy Spirit lead it, right? I'd rather talk about Jesus than talk about me. There we go. <laughs> that should be the attitude every time. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, join us again, guys. We'll be back with more podcasts and uh you want to tell them the information where they can reach out to us? PWH.TV. There we go. You can reach out there. And uh, there you go. There we go. Everything you need is right there. All right. God bless you guys.